This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to Americana Music Profiles. It's Season 3, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine in print and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com online. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's join in on another great conversation with one of the Americana music industry's super talented artists. Chris Jones is my guest today on Americana Music Profiles. You may know him as one of the guest hosts on Sirius XM's Bluegrass Junction. He is a singer, songwriter, and leader of Chris Jones and the Night Drivers. Well, hi, Chris. Welcome to the podcast this afternoon. Thanks, Greg. Great to be here. Yeah, appreciate, appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Um, so you guys have a, a new CD coming out called Made to Move, which is the uh, latest installment for what's been a fairly long career for you in bluegrass music. Give me a little bit of the background, how, how all of this started for you. Well, I I started playing bluegrass music professionally when I was in my teens still. Okay. And, and uh, I'm originally from the New York area, which is not a hotbed of bluegrass. Right. <laughs> spent some grown-up time in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and it was actually there that I really started listening to bluegrass and country music, okay. and, and started uh, playing with other people. I got to a little community of pickers there in, in Albuquerque, but yeah. then uh, took took that back home. I was really fired up about age you know, 14, 15, and <laughs> took that back east, and uh, so the first band I was in, I recently went back to the theater where I played the first band uh, oh, cool. in the Theater in Marinette, New York. Um, but I, the first band I was in was called Horse Country, and so I was there. The guitar player was my first time singing lead on stage. I've been sort of a closet uh-huh. lead singer, but so I've been been at it ever since. Uh, with uh, you know, as a sideman of various bands, but usually as the guitar player, lead singer. Yeah, uh, including the Lynn Morris Band, Dave Evans. And, Special consensus, and then mid '90s, I decided to form my own band, and, and uh, so that's always a big commitment. But sure. uh, and it's it's difficult, but but rewarding. And you know, I've been very fortunate to get to do it this long. How long has um, has broadcasting been a, a, a for for the folks that don't know? You you are a big part of Sirius XM Bluegrass Junction. And um, how long is is that your first entry into broadcasting, or were there other things leading up to that? No, I have actually done it off and on for a number of years. In fact, I started that also in my teens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the University of Vermont, I had a radio show at their college station, and, and, uh, and then worked in a little bit of commercial country. If I got my feet wet with that in uh, Pennsylvania, when I was playing with the the band with the Lynn Morris called the Whetstone Run, and, and started doing some work at the radio station there, and then did a little in the Nashville area, okay. uh, where I lived for over twenty years, and and so, but 
course, it's very difficult to do radio in any kind of full-time way and tour. Right. So <laughs> it's, it's been, you know, here and there, with generally doing it part-time, but the, the serious, uh, now serious XM opportunity came up, uh, and, and I did luck into it, really. A, a friend of mine named Terry Hurd, who was a, a Bluegrass Radio Syndicator, was somebody I had done some fill-in work for, so he knew I had that, that background, and he ended up being in charge of this new Bluegrass channel and was in charge of hiring uh-huh. people for that, so it put a staff together, and I said, yes, I'd love to do it. Yeah. And, and because it was set up in a way that I could do my shows from the road if necessary, it made it possible to tour. Yeah. And do the radio at the same time. So there have been times where it's been a little too much. Uh, at one time I was on seven days a week, and that was just really uh, a strain, especially in the busy summer months. I'm but sure, now, yeah, yeah. Now it's a good balance. I'm on three days a week, but I fill in other times. Okay. So it's, it's just about right. And I, I don't know. I, obviously, we're not letting anything out of the bag. I don't know how many people actually know that Sirius doesn't – Necessarily, you don't have a studio where you go in and sit down and, and do your thing and then and go home. You, like you said, you get to do that out on the road. I, I'm I'm assuming that's that's from a laptop, right? You get to yeah, plug into it, the system it, and. Yeah, it's it's done both ways, and and uh, I've done a lot of work out of the, the Nashville studios that they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, went on there, and then uh, also done some work out of their New York studios, which are cool. But I. Uh, yes, it's it's done with a laptop, and and nowadays communication being what it is, yeah, I sort of plug right into their system mm-hmm, as, mm-hmm. as if I'm in one of their studios, uh, just using a microphone, and and uh, so yeah, it's uh, thankful for the technology that makes it sure. possible. Yeah, well, um, I've actually heard you broadcasting occasionally from various different festivals that you attend, and I'm sure that gives you really. A uh, unique perspective to to be setting wherever you are and and knowing that there's this this really cool music festival going on and you're kind of in the middle of it talking to the world in in the midst of all of that. It's it's kind of fun and and, and of course I get to interview friends of mine yeah. <laughs> backstage and and so uh, you know I hope I'll be able to give some of the musician perspective a little bit when talking and it's, it's just nice to backstage and. And chat with people I know, just like a friendly conversation. Sure, and, and yeah. Hope, hope it gives people that are listening a little feel for being there. What kind of impact do you think that 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 format, Sirius XM, um, has has given with the Bluegrass Junction has given to bluegrass music? I think it's been pretty big because I, I think um, there are so many areas of of the U.S. and Canada that were poorly served with this kind of music mm-hmm. and radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's no replacing uh, local radio that's so important and always has been but but there there are a lot of areas where that's just very you know there's shows are few and far between right uh, a lot of stations will will give a just shocking the civil progress show you know the the, the least <laughs> good times lot of yeah <laughs> uh, where they keep there they have nothing else to go two o'clock in the morning we'll, yeah <laughs> yeah we'll stick you there and, and of course, you know, people, the, the faithful will listen anyway. But I think having it available anywhere in, in the continent of North America, at any time of day, has been has been huge. And I've noticed just from comments I get from listeners and things that there are people that are introduced to the music 
that way because they just stumble. I would imagine, them yeah. While they're kind of scanning through their yeah their music channels, so yeah, it's been. And I think even Sirius XM has not necessarily understood the the amount of loyalty that's built up. Yeah, I've know, thought that too and, sometimes. And because other you know other kinds of music are more available mm-hmm. than other in other kinds of radio sure and bluegrass music not so much so there are people that that's all they listen to they listen to it 12 hours a day yeah yeah yeah. and subscribe to it uh, almost exclusively for the bluegrass not any not any of the other offerings that are there exactly yeah and um yeah we had uh, there was a controversy i guess it was last year where we got temporarily preempted. Mm-hmm, I remember that. <laughs> by the, the Hanukkah channel, which, and there was just somewhat of an overreaction because it's, it, some people misunderstood and some people thought it was off the air forever. Oh, okay. And and it's hard to explain those things. What happened was that Sirius XM puts that temporary channel during the days of Hanukkah on different channels. They, they don't have a place for it to go on its own. Mm-hmm. So everybody sort of takes their turn. Oh, okay. What happened was, you know, people found out exactly how how loyal and how passionate those listeners are. They did not want that removed for 10 days, so, <laughs> uh, or eight, eight days, really. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, there was... So uh, I, I was, I, uh, you know, I was kind of glad to see that loyalty at the same time I was also trying to tell people down. It's not sure. temporary and only for this year. Well, it's, it's certainly a... Um, it makes you feel good when you when you're a part of that industry and and you realize that when when somebody's um, uh, avenue to that uh, is potentially jeopardized, you know you, you rise up behind a cause and and I, I remember hearing about that and seeing about it of course on news feeds and Facebook and all those kinds of things and uh, you know it was it was nice to see people. Uh, react and and certainly not negatively, but react and like please don't take this away from us. This you, you don't know how much this means. So yeah, 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 yeah. And it's and there I'm sure there are other kinds of music that are that are that way that people just don't have another way to hear them. But right. bluegrass music I think is prime among among their different music channels for that reason. Sure, There's yeah. No duplication with other channels. Yeah, the songs are only heard there. Yeah. So obviously, songwriting is is a been a big part of of your journey. I, I'm I'm sure it must be gratifying to not only be able to um, perform your own your own material, but I also understand that um, other artists have actually been able to ha- be successful with with the songs that you've written as well. Yeah, that's uh, and I started it, songwriting came gradually to me. I was I was playing the music first. And then began to experiment with it um, when I was in my early 20s mm-hmm. and started writing some songs and started doing it more and more. And it became a, a much more important part of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I always had this interest in in uh, arranging songs for okay. press music yeah. and, and uh, like dig up a lot of old songs from different genres, especially kind of classic country stuff and do Bluegrass and, and even do some obscure bluegrass things or rearrange them, but uh, you know, it was even more gratifying to simply write your own song and, mm-hmm. and uh, create it from nothing. And so mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's been yeah very gratifying to do it uh, by myself and you know when other artists do it. And I'm I've never been really much for pitching songs to other artists. Mm-hmm. I'm not that prolific, uh, 
I tend to just record them myself, but people have done cover versions of mm-hmm. songs that I've recorded, so I'm happy with that, too. And I, I think I read where you've you've actually been able to be a part of of some of that process that's that's received some some national awards in the process from from IBA, IBMA and folks like that. Is that right? Yeah, I got a Song of the Year award for uh, Fork in the Road, which is a song I co-wrote with the original bass player in the Night Drivers, John Pinnell. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just sitting around and wrote this kind of bluesy song, and, and uh, I recorded it, and then years later. Uh, Jeremy Garrett of the infamous String Dusters uh, used to play with us and, and really liked that song. So when that band was, was going, they said, hey, how do you feel about us doing it? I said, yeah, sure, have at it. Yeah, and, uh, that's cool. And then it ended up really working out well for them, and, and then we all we all got to share an award, which was fun. We were talking off air a few minutes ago, and, and uh, to let the folks know, you are from Alberta, Canada, and I wanted to ask, how do you... S- see the the bluegrass music uh, is there a difference between the united states and canada i know you get to travel in the united states and tour a bunch you mentioned you were getting ready to head this way and and uh, a couple days and um you know I, I i know there's a lot of intermingling a lot of groups uh, cross the border back and forth and um do, do you do you see a difference in in the roots of that well i think um, there there are pockets of interest in bluegrass everywhere and in, in Canada there has traditionally always been a and I find this through to responsible listeners at Sirius XM uh, areas of eastern Canada it's really strong a uh, great tradition in uh, New Brunswick in particular but uh, you know Canada has its own uh, fiddle traditions mm-hmm. and, and fiddle music and, and so you know there is that kind of roots element in Canada and I think some of that gets expressed in the kind of bluegrass music that that people do, and, mm-hmm. and of course there are all sorts of all sorts of great uh, singer songwriters have come out of Canada. So there is that, uh, and uh, there is some some uh, interesting cross border work. That's done. I'm actually doing some fill in dates coming up with uh, John Reichman and the Jaybirds, and that's okay. a band that yeah. that consists of a combination of Canadians and Americans and. And people like me who married Canadians and ended up in Canada. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of uh, sharing back and forth. So that, that's your uh, that's your entry into Canada is by marriage then. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yep. That's how it all happened. Yeah. I think Claire Lynch maybe uh, the same way. Uh, I think. Yes. In fact, uh, she talked to me some when when this was first going on, and she was marrying a Canadian and wanted a little bit of advice, and I've done the same thing. I'm <laughs> yeah. talking to. To John Reichman is in that boat, <laughs> asking him, you know, for one thing, who is uh, tax accountant? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> things like that. The important information we need. Sure, yeah. Border, border crossing and and best ways to handle that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife Sally is a is a bluegrass artist in her own right, and, and uh, we've done much playing together too. Yeah, so. that's but cool. That's how I ended up here. Well, you you mentioned the uh, the band is um, the Night Drivers and the new CD. Uh, Made the move is coming out in February next month, 2017. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. And uh, tell me a little bit about that project. If if I read correctly, is this the seventh album for you? Uh, well, for me, under my name, it's more like the thirteenth. Okay. 14th. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> I'm a little off. But under, strictly under the band name Chris Jones and the Night Drivers, maybe more like 
episodes. Okay. I need to actually count this. <laughs> I did a, a UK radio interview recently. I was asked this question, and I thought, I'm starting to lose count. <laughs> well, I, maybe that's not a bad it, thing. <laughs> it's our second for the Mountain Home label. That right, much. okay. I can, I can handle that. Yeah, okay. Uh, we recorded a number of albums for uh, for Rebel Records, which okay, is uh, right. with a long tradition of bluegrass music, and, and, uh, and we've done some independent releases ourselves, but mainly... Uh, and we went over to Mountain Home a, a few years ago. Been really happy with uh, with those folks. They're out in North Carolina. And this uh, this new release is uh, one that is distinctive in that it's the first one with our our new banjo player. It's a woman named Gina Close. Okay. So we're excited to get the the new lineup in the studio. We've gone a very long time without any personnel changes, so that's a big change for us. Okay. And. Um you you wrote a bunch of these too, right? Yes, and uh, we've always had a you know a high amount of original content and stuff we've done. But uh, one one thing that's sort of gradually evolved is that I'm doing more co-writing with the longtime bass player in the band, John Weisberger. Okay, co-writes a lot in general uh-huh. in, in Nashville, and so we we started uh, doing a song or two here and there, and then and now uh, the, the four songs that the Southern ones that we that we wrote together and we have a somewhat unique method and we we have never except one time uh, the two of us and another songwriter in Nashville Tom Utes we we uh, sat in a room and wrote together but basically John and I have never sat in a room and written a song we've wow. done it all by correspondence yeah okay wow <laughs> so uh, that seems to be working now we don't want sure. to mess with the formula yeah okay and I I think I read where a lot of your um members in the band are kind of spread out across uh, a pretty vast uh, amount of uh, space in the United States and of course you being in yeah, Canada. Uh, I mean we used to be primarily Nashville based at least three quarters of us and now we only have one member in Nashville and since Gina joins yeah, we, she's in Northern Virginia and then we have our mandolin player in Southern Illinois and then there's me all the way up in, in Western Canada so yeah we're, we're about as scattered as you could get. Does that uh, make the logistics harder to get you guys together when you go on tour? I'm, I'm guessing you, you tour stretches a little bit longer when you get everybody together. Yeah, it is. A, it is tricky. I mean, one thing we're not really able to do is an isolated date or weekend somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to so um, try to at least you know have at least two weekends in a row in some area that's close or. You know, or a full one week tour. We're about to do a California tour, eight, eight or nine days. So, in this case, what we did is, you know, booked all the tickets to Phoenix, which is close to where we were starting off, and okay. so we come from all of our different directions. Sure. Occasionally, rent something and drive as as needed. Uh, but yeah, we do fly a fair amount because of that. And, and uh, but if we have some things that are based in the Nashville area, I'll, I'll come there. And, Stay for a while if, if necessary. And are you touring year round now? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's in in most kinds of music, and especially in bluegrass, the end of the year tends to be pretty quiet, you know, December and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, but mm-hmm. uh, we're surprisingly busy in the months you're not supposed to be, like January and February. Yeah. And, and uh, we're making up for it by having a kind of a quiet July. We're, okay. But. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're, we're, we tour year round. 
How can folks get in touch with you? How can they get a copy of the CD? What's the best way to reach out? The best way is actually just to go to, to my website and you can connect to everything there, and that's chrisjonesgrass.com. Okay. Chris Jones is two ordinary names, so I think there's a Chris Jones magician and a Chris Jones <laughs> gospel artist okay. and a real estate agent, so stick the word grass at the end of the There you go, okay. You'll get there, Chris Good. Jones Grass. And from there, uh, you know, link to tour dates and uh, send, send me a note if you want, and, and there's a link for for CD ordering, too. So. And uh, the new CD, Made to Move, is it in pre-order, or can they actually get that? Uh, right now, pre-order until the 10th of February. I, I, I know uh, two or three tracks are available right away. Okay. I know there are two, two or three that are already downloadable. Um, two as of the time that we're, that we're talking, but uh, more more as the release date sure. gets, gets closer. And our, our first single release uh, as such is, is the, the title track, which is really... Uh, song called I'm a Wanderer, okay. one of John Weisberger's songs, and the, the phrase made to move is in the chorus of that song. Ah, all right, cool, cool. Well, best of luck to you guys, safe travels, and uh, I sure do appreciate getting a chance to talk to you today. Thank you, Greg, I appreciate that a lot. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who kill their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.